Island rain, and this is also extremely important, is once I shed all of that, which was not easy, I went to therapy to help deal with the loss of that. But once I shed it, once I embraced my voice, my feelings and trusted my gut, my mama gut, my inherent sense of the world gut and unapologetically owned that, I felt and still continue to feel an unlimited source of energy, an unlimited amount of strength and inspiration and excitement to get out there and talk about everything that we can try to talk about, you know? And, um, And I think it's important to know for anybody listening that that's when my business exploded rain. That's now what brought my business and my followers on my social media pages to a point way faster, way more progressive and exponentially more growth than ever before. That's Erica Nolan. And this is the Rain Studios podcast. Aloha, friends. Welcome back to the Rain Studios podcast. I am Rain Reed, your hostess. And today, the amazing, transformational, metamorphosis, butterfly, Erica Nolan. So Erica and I actually grew up in New Orleans together, sort of orbiting around similar circles, um, you know, middle school and high school. And we get into that, the charming stories in the show. Um, But, you know, haven't hung out or chatted in years, years, years. And here we come back as Erica has understood the assignment of the pandemic better than most people I know. (laughs) Um, She is one who really took the pandemic and, and, and found the silver lining and freaking expanded her wings and created magic. So Erica was, um, she goes into it deeply into the, in our conversation. So I won't go too far, but you know, she was a singer, a performer, a songwriter, um, in Manhattan for a couple of years and then realized that that was not where her heart was and returned to New Orleans, um, for multiple reasons. The universe sort of escorted her there and she started a landscaping business and was doing that for seven years um totally female run operated um and their focus were was edible gardens and they were the only ones of their kind in new orleans for a long time um and then so during the pandemic she just like spread her wings and created magic um you could follow her on Instagram at Instar Gardens. And I mean, she has taken off. Her followers are dedicated and love her and her clients love her. And she's transforming people's lives through gardening, through getting our hands back into the dirt. So many of us wonder, like, where is our authentic self? How do we reconnect? How do we get to know who we are? And I talk about embodiment a lot. And that's what I'm teaching, you know, in rebirth, um, 
but the truth is, is that it's reconnecting with our planet, you know? So I have my clients compost. That's sort of step one, one of the step ones of working with me, one of the early steps. But working with Erica is entirely about reconnecting with the soil, reconnecting with our food source. So growing your own food, whether it's fruits, veggies, herbs, um, medicinal plants, um, and, and doing that in harmony, you know, she's, it's completely organic and completely, um, holistic in her practices where she is, you know, connecting, um, using the intelligence of the plants, using the intelligence of these hundreds of thousands of years, even millions of years of evolution, however you want to look at it, um, as what connects us to ourselves and each other and the planet. So, gosh, I could keep rattling on because I just, this conversation was so exciting and fun. And we stayed on the call after we, after I clicked the, you know, stop recording button. We stayed on for another hour and, and it was so fun. And I wish I had kept the recording going, but, um, but we'll have Erica back on again. <laughs> so without further ado, if you are trying to change your life and reconnect, um, this is a completely natural, amazing, dynamic, wonderful, supportive, and loving way of doing it, working with Erica. So have a listen to our conversation and see what you think. Here we go. The wise, the wonderful, the energetic, Erica Nolan. Oh my God. (laughs) Good morning, Erica. Good morning. (laughs) So, um, one question that I want to ask you is the name of your candle. Ah, Instar. Instar. Instar is a term that I learned in uh, horticulture school. It's used in entomology to describe each stage of metamorphosis. (laughs) Because, you know, what's funny is like when you look at it, I'm like, is it like Insta, like, like Instagram? And I everyone, like, everyone thinks that, <laughs> you know, I kind of like having a little play like that. I kind of like people look thinking, looking, oh, Insta gardens. Yes. Girl dancing. Right. That's, that's what it's about, you okay. know, and then yeah. see how far they want to take it. Yes. Oh, yes, exactly. Like the surface. That's like the surface tension of like, and how you like kind of lure people in. (laughs) I love it. I I was talking with a client about that yesterday. We'll obviously get into all this stuff because it's just so pertinent and it's also layered. Um, But I mean, I had some framework, right. That I like set out, but just for the listeners, I just, I just, um, told Erica, I was like, we're going to push the button just in case <laughs> any magic happens without. But so we go way back. We weren't like close friends, but we were in same, the same circles, both yes. from New Orleans. And, um, and so that it, we do have like an extra energy that's like drawing us back together. It is so cool. <laughs> it is so cool. It is so cool because I always, knew of you as a really cool girl and not just cool, like in like the bleach blonde, super tan, 
like super cool chicks, you know, in the popular group, like not that kind of cool. Although I did think that you were cool in that way too, but I always had this feeling that, um, you are more meaningfully cool. Mm. Right back at you. <laughs> yes. Well, because we both had the weird factor. There was like a little, like we were cool, but we were like kind of beaten to our own drum. Yeah. At an, yeah. Early, at an early age. And like, so grateful for that. So grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I'm looking at my questions, I, I'm actually drawn to like jump to one because it's like the beating drum thing. So how we're born sets the tone or the vibration. And what really I love is um, actually a teacher of mine who lives in New Orleans, Jeffrey Roniger, who always talks about the metronome, right? This like think, 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 like that sets the actual rhythm, I suppose right of and 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 i have heard and as science is beginning to prove all of this stuff for those of us who need data and numbers and things to really know what the indigenous people have known forever <laughs> um, <laughs> that that the moment that we're born is actually a, like a or the moments right are um, set the tone of the breathing process so if you if if the being is born in respect, trust, and intimacy, they get ample time to come into their breath. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's a deeper breath and a slower breath and this sort of more comfortable breath. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering as a home birth mama, is that something that you witnessed? Yes, yes. Um, but there's, a two-part answer to this question because I see Cece in comparison to um, children her age and the society as just this this transformational being already at three years old. You know, just so um, there is this depth to her um, that I believe comes from home birthing and um, breastfeeding and all of those things. There's this innate calm and almost like this innate emotional intelligence, perhaps. Mm. Um, But one thing that I struggle with often is the tension that I still sometimes see within her as I believe is a result of the modern world you know? And so, I mean, we started, we had a home birth Mm -hmm. and I breastfed for the first two years. Um, and then, but we also did sleep training because I had no idea, you know, like I wasn't tapped into what our ancestors lives looked like at that point. Mm -hmm. I just had a brink of a vision of what I needed of the path that I needed to follow you know, now we're co-sleeping to hopefully catch up on time. Oh, you will. And so, you know, I, uh, I just get chills seeing as I'm saying this because um, I feel that we are in such a special 
threshold of time, recognizing our needs on the most ancestral level, Mm -hmm. fulfilling them, and yet still very tied within this matrix of a modern life that doesn't serve us. And it's not that I want to be a downer about it because I see so much beauty and harmony within my daughter. And I believe so much of that has to do with home birthing and breastfeeding. Um, But I, I feel that we are entangled within it and just working every day on detangling. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Yeah. So well, (laughs) totally. Well, so, so will it dial it back? What do you know about your own birth? Mm. I, um, all that I know was that I was delivered in a hospital naturally, um, not via C-section, although I am unaware of what drugs were taken at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, My mom still takes a bunch of pharmaceuticals. And so I wouldn't be surprised if those were involved. Um, I was born at Toro and you know, what's kind of funny about it, Rain? How were you? (laughs) See, there you go. And, um, and, but what's funny about it is the information that I was always told about my birth, which was I was born at Toro and I was a picture for an ad for their baby center. Oh my God. What the fuck is that? (laughs) What the fuck is that? Like, that is what I've had my whole life. I even have a little article. That's what I have always known. And I don't want that to be the story for my daughter. You know, we tell her the story of her home birth. And I, um, I, so how did you prepare? Oh, well, um, I took a, um, like a, a birthing class, like most mothers do. I had a doula and I had a midwife and I think the midwife prepared me the most. Mm. Um, but you know, Sometimes like looking back on it now, I wish I had read Sally Fallon's uh, book, Nourishing Traditions of Baby and Child Care. I wish I knew those things, but for whatever reason, I didn't, you know, they weren't recommended to me and I didn't know. Um, But I had enough support perhaps for the season that I was in, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, oh my gosh, I want to like just yeah, I want to recommend the book, The Continuum Concept. Yes, yes. Oh, Wait, you have it. It's okay, here. It's right there. It's on the, it's on the shelf. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's, that's what changed the game for co-sleeping. Great. Okay, great. Yes. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. Because, yes, there, yes. There's, there's like a re, yeah, there isn't a, you can reclaim this time, yes. you know, with, with care and love and mindfulness. And yes. so we're doing it. Great. Well, for the listeners, The Continuum Concept. Excellent read. Um, Amazing. Well, um, okay. So can you, um, do you want to share like a little of the, of the details of the birth? Like, cause my podcast, this podcast is evolving, right? Like just like everything I, um, I in your instar in honor of this, of your name, of your business name, my, my ultimate metamorphosis, you know, was the birth of myself. Mm. And that's what like really kickstarted. It, it's like, 
everything just made sense to me in this moment. I was like, oh, all these questions. (laughs) I have been wondering the answers to are right here. And so that set the course. So, so my guests that are mamas love to share birth stories. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, and then of course, and weaving in also the birth of your business, which is really like this lifestyle, this like incredible permaculture, gardening, um, horticulture life. I'm (laughs) waving my hands around and moving my body (laughs) in a way, like ultimate flow state that you've created in harmonizing with the earth. So, um, let her rip. Oh, I wish that we had more opportunities to share our birth stories, you know, Um, because it is, it, it seems to be the most momentous experience of our, of any woman's life who chooses to have children. And, um, I started going into labor in the morning with contractions, felt super empowered breathing through those contractions, you know, and we had everything set up. I mean, we had a plan and of course, you know, the sensitivity of it all, it doesn't always go to plan, but you know what rain, my midwife kept checking my hydration levels throughout uh, my pregnancy and towards like my third trimester, she said, Erica, if you don't increase your water to intake, then we are not going according to your plan. I love her. So she was, you know, she was firm. She was, um, she was not your most warm and fuzzy midwife. She was, um, very strong, but firm. And that gave me so much confidence. Um, and so started having contractions. Um, they started, you know, building up or whatever throughout the day. And then around 2 PM, they started getting significant to the point where we were counting them as we were instructed to do. So then my doula came over because we were told, you know, once you have this much time in between, call the doula and then she'll take over from there and she'll contact the midwife for when she needs to come and yada, yada, yada. So midwife, I had my favorite music playing. I was just in my bedroom. Um, I was going back and forth to bathtub and bed to deal with those. At first, I thought that counting like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten was like the way to go. Like that was my natural, like innate modernized way of like dealing with the contractions. And then, and my doula was just very hands-off and was just kind of like, okay, just as long as you're just breathing, just breathe, 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 breathe. And then, um, so I kept doing all that, cycling through all that. And then by the time my midwife came, um, I was ready to push. Mm. And so she set up the tub in my daughter's room. And um, and eventually she said, Erica, if you want to have the baby in the tub, you've got to start making your way over to the tub. <laughs> so I was like hand to knees, just like, oh like crawling like just so slowly and she was like Erica I really think that you might need to walk (laughs) so while that sounds like you could walk I cannot walk (laughs) right so much easier said than done but crawling through me right now (laughs) yeah 
<laughs> but my husband and I had really found this harmony in this position of him holding me up. And so I would like put my arms up around him and he would hold me up and I would say higher, higher, higher. Like I couldn't, like he couldn't, he could only hold me up so high. But so that physical support was one position that really helped me a lot. And then finally I got to the tub. And I think at that point I opened my eyes and I was like, oh, hey, everyone, for the first time in hours, you know. And um, this was probably the, of course, the. Uh, most special piece of this labor because at first I just started like screaming through the pain, you know, like, ah, like high pitched. And my midwife said, bring it low, like do low growls. (laughs) So full on mama bear came out. I mean, sounds that have never come out of this body ever before. Um, Just, just, completely primal. I actually believe I was uh, gnawing on the tub, like gnawing. (laughs) I think I was too on the handles. Yes. Rubber. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) Meanwhile, my husband was there about to come to tears out of feeling helpless, you know, and I'm just there doing my thing. But finally head popped out. And the doula uh, suggested to Emery that he take a look because Cece's eyes were wide open underwater, just looking around. And Emery got that first look and pushed her out, immediately held her to my chest, sat in the tub for, you know, maybe an hour and a half, like as my placenta did its thing, delivered the placenta, it floated in the tub. It was just hanging you know, given Cece all of the, what is it, bilirubin or whatever. Um, And so um, much magic coming through that cord. So much magic. Oh, and the placenta, just what a, what an incredible organ, I guess. Yeah. Um, And, you know, their first home. Yeah, their first home. Mm -hmm. And what's so interesting, I think that surprised me about the experience actually, was that, you know, I think maybe I had, I had only imagined what Emery and I would look and act and feel like when Cece was born. It was, what I had imagined was that it would be like, oh, look beautiful baby but instead it was complete silence complete calm and just looking at him and looking at her and just taking in that only you know so um so it was surprising and yet everything that we needed and um and then when it was time we cut the placenta um but i mean we stayed in the bath for a long time and then um we wrapped cc up and my team helped me move two doors down to my bedroom to lay down i had a glass of whiskey 
I'm not even a drinker, <laughs> but there was just something, you know, and I, I wonder, you know, next time if I, if I were to have a baby again, would I want a glass of whiskey? I really don't know. Um, I really don't know, but you, you know, that I, time. <laughs> I did that time. Like I just, you know, the release from that work, like even the slightest bit of any sort of uh, depressant, not depressant, you know, emotionally, but just to. Ton. I mean, at that point, that is like a tonic. That's like the, that's yeah. the you know, the right. primary uses of whiskey and gin. Um, my assistant actually did a po- an awesome post about juniper berries um, and how, you know, and all the tonics and, you know, just these powerful herbs and plants we just have to relearn to use them and beautiful. And I mean, I call it like sacred, like sacrament, you know, like what what if we reframe our relationship with alcohol back to, you know, just like a sacred and like a a sip to me, I had a sip of rum that my husband's father made. He makes all kinds of wine and liquor and stuff. Oh God, I probably shouldn't say that on here. Like, <laughs> too bad. And I, but I mean, I had one sip of rum and I was like, the room was kind of spinning. Like I felt like Jack Sparrow, you know? And like, I had to go upstairs and lay down. But like, that's awesome. The potency of these, um, you know, incredible substances that humans and plants can combine together. Yes. And I want to uh, down with all of those. So like next baby, I want to study all the tonics. I want to know which tonic, you know, like to have it available if necessary. Yeah. But, um, I laid down, Cece was on my chest. Cece went on Emery's chest and we just chilled out. I mean, we just chilled out while my team cleaned everything up. And, you know, maybe an hour to two hours later, so maybe 11 o'clock, my midwife came in to weigh the baby, check the baby, stitch me up because I tore in a couple of places. And that was just easy, easy peasy. And she um, she came to visit me every day for a week mm-hmm. to check on my stitches, to touch on my healing. I had a postpartum doula to help with cooking and my placenta smoothies. Yeah. And, and I mean, thank God for freaking placenta consumption. I just can't imagine it any other way. And it, it, it makes sense of so much of the world that we're in when we just think about the birth experience and the lack of that initial intimacy and the lack of the placenta consumption. I mean, we are at battle from the beginning, you know, (laughs) it's so much, so much, but you know, when you, when you reel back in, when you reconnect um, with systems that have worked for thousands of years, you get this nourishing experience that, um, that sort of transcends you and sort of makes sense of, of it all. And I do think it makes it easier to manage, you know, back what we were talking about from the very beginning, get-go to manage the existing modernity that we see within CC and parenting and our lifestyle that we're looking to get away from. It makes it easier to manage that because, you know, our modernization of society has taken 
so many years, Mm -hmm. so many generations, and we are on the brink of changing that, you know? So it gives a, it gives a little space for grace, I suppose. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. And Oh, so the power of sharing the birth story. I mean, it is, it's such a gift. Like, thank you. Thank you for your, you know, energy and your, and your delight and your enjoyment to share it. Because imagine if even just one woman hears you speak, you know, and hearing that story. And I really like to thump the part about how the team, midwife, doula, I mean, they are like, I imagine like in, um, oh, what's that movie, Sleeping Beauty, and the three little um, yes. fairies, you yeah. know, because that was a surprise. I was like, yeah, the house is going to be such a disaster after we have this home birth, because like, I won't have been doing all the things that I do, but it's like the cleanest that the house is ever Yeah, and yeah. All this like mindful folding of like yes. beautiful cloths and, <laughs> and like did they do that layer cake on the bed for you with the sheets? They did. Oh. They did. And we had well, we had done. I think we may have actually. I'm sorry, we did that before. We did a bunch of layers on the bed, right? But they would come in, or at least my postpartum doula would come in to like you know de-layer, you know, yes. all of that. So- for the listeners, what we're talking about is like, it's like a bed sheet or like the fitted sheet and then um, like a like shower curtain and then another fitted sheet and a shower curtain. You can do it two, three, four times, however many times you want, because if you're planning on doing all this laboring and um, at home, of course, uh, you're going to be in and out of your bed like you were speaking, right? You were in the bed and in the tub and in the bed. So you're little wet body is like going around. And so there's water, there's blood, bodily fluids, all kinds of things. And so you literally just like with your little bitty baby roll over to one side, they like move the sheets a little bit. And then you roll over to the other side, they move them. And then voila, you're sleeping on a clean bed. So while like, I just, for listeners, I want them to know that like this process, you know, the, 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 giant tub that we're both talking about gnawing on the handles that gets deflated and emptied into the garden. If you have one, how delightful with some amniotic fluid and maybe some feces, urine, like getting out of the garden, how fantastic. Um, And, but you know, it's not like you and your husband and your brand new infant are going to have to deal with all of this. Quite the contrary. Hello, hello. Rain is here to drop a line about my program, Rebirth. All right, so for the duration of March is the early bird special to get into my program to change your life, to redevelop your relationship with your instincts and your intuition, to understand yourself from birth through life and all the way to the end of life also known as death. (laughs) This is what my program is all about. And so March is going to be early bird admissions. April is going to be regular admissions. And then about halfway through May, uh, May 15th is going to be the uh, final day of intake for the program. The program begins at the end of May and it's going to last for six weeks. And we are going to do it in group format. I am so delighted to bring us all together 
and for us to use the strength of the pack to move through rebirth um, yes together and just have an incredible metamorphosis transition into your most authentic self so links in show notes join me let's do this back to the show oh it's 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 so incredible and then you know we had a meal train set up so i i was in bed for two weeks i barely got up i barely got up and um so i could heal and then I took, you know, I think I, I got up once to bring Cece to the doctor the first week. Um, and then after that, I was just in bed resting. I mean, I was really resting in recovery for a full month yeah. before I started taking a walk around the neighborhood, you know, and to have given myself that time to recover too, without any pressure just to be present with the baby. If there's anything I would change, it would been, have been to have read the continuum concept and to co-sleep from the very get-go. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you want to share on that experience or like, that would be awesome. Well, you know, um, the reason why we did it was solely because of lack of knowledge. It was solely lack of knowledge. Um, and yet we were led down this path of knowledge of sleep training of baby wise. And like Cece adapted to that immediately, although we did let her cry it out mm-hmm. and that that will forever burn within me now. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know it any better just as so many mothers I know have felt the same in so many experiences. So I, you know, she did it. She was a great sleeper, but we got to a point and it's the synchronicities of the universe are just a beautiful dance to watch. I just love it all. As I was reading the continuum concept, Cece had gone through this new period. She's three now. She had gone through this new period of just not staying in bed, getting up, upset, And so as I was reading the continuing concept and I started listening to Cece say, mom, I don't want to sleep by myself. I'm scared. I want to sleep with y'all. Yes, ma'am. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Little Buddha. Exactly. Yes. Let's do this. And, um, oh, it's, you know, it's been such an incredible experience. I honestly feel like we are all, we all share tighter of a bond now because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the sleep is not as great, but honestly, the heart is so much fuller. It really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Um, it's, and it's amazing because on those you know, during that season where she was sleep trained, sleeping in her bed, and I was getting eight hours of sleep, I was hustling throughout the day. Like I was working way faster than I needed to and not paying as much attention to individual moments. And, um, and, and just moving through that speed. Wow. Wow. Through all that. (laughs) 
all that's out the window. Right. It's almost like one of the things that I tell my um, pregnant mamas, you know, when, when, you know, and you start to pee two times a night and then you start to pee three times a night and you start to pee four, five, six, seven, eight times a night. You remember like right at the end of pregnancy? I mean, it's crazy, but it's not crazy. It's designed. Like, first of all, the baby is getting, is taking up so much space. So you're, you know, the, the brass tacks or whatever, like the physicality of your, um, what is it? Bladder being smushed, being compressed is going to make you urine, urinate more, but also it's preparing you for this, like, you know, and, and when, when you co-sleep with an infant, it's like, you wake up to this sort of like, you know, and it's not a screaming cry. It's just like a, like a little puppy, like, (laughs) you know, and you just like pop a titty and like, end of end, just like, and then everybody goes back to sleep. Yeah. It's, it's so that is a very, it's a very simple process. And I totally, I, I, um, I wish that for everyone and, and reading of the continuum concept. I'm so, that's so cool. Like how we're so synced up. It's like amazing. Um, but, um, yeah, like the sleeping, you know, you get kicked and elbowed and things like that as they start to get bigger. Um, for me, it's like, I don't know about you, but okay. When I, when we travel, we're going to go to the airport and if it's an early flight and by early, I mean anything before 8 a.m. I can't sleep the night before. Yeah. I have this like, and so the one or two times that my partner was like, sick of this co-sleeping. And I love you, Damien, but you know, I'm, I'm just calling it out right now. You know, it's more challenging for the, for, for the daddies. Yeah. It's more challenging because they didn't, the baby didn't grow inside of them. They didn't nurse the baby for however many years or mm-hmm. months, whatever, you know, so there, there's a difference in connection. And so I believe mama's tolerance is just higher, you know, for all the wiggles and the kicks and the movements, right. and, you know, essentially used to just like conking back to sleep. And maybe that is also primal too, though, because Damien and I have talked about this like far before Wolfie, I'm a heavy sleeper and he's a quite light sleeper. Like he's waking up, you know, and perhaps, you know, to save us from the bear or whatever, the intruder. Yeah. Something. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so exactly. So these, you know, one or two nights where it was like, we got a bunk bed and we put him in the bunk bed and I couldn't like, I had the same type of sleep that I had that I have when we prepare to fly. So like for me, it's more exhausting because I'm con- so connected to my child that's in the other room yeah. and as a primal, you know, she wolf or she bear kind of mama that we are. It's like, I know my, my like very, very still infantile, almost, you know, toddler, whatever is alone in a room. And like, that just doesn't feel right. Yeah. It just, like doesn't, it's yeah. like, and I mean, to, to bring a truth and a rather dark story, I actually know a woman who had her, I think it was like one and a half and three-year-old in one side of the house and she and her partner were on the other side and that side caught on fire <gasps> and both of her children perished. 
Yes. This woman is incredible and alive today and has gone through an amazing recovery. Um, But exactly like, you know, it's like, I can't even imagine. Ah. Right. Mm. So, so yeah. Um, There. And and I guess the point that I'm trying to make is like, it's all challenging and it's all beautiful. Right. Like having children isn't just the, you know, your picture on the, in the, in the brochure for Turo magazine, right? It's not just the the baby shower and the pretty things and the this. It's also like piss and shit and different right. like sleeping and you right. know all. It's all. It's both and. It's all of the the rainbow of emotion. Well, um, I, we are their protectors, and we have over the years been sold comfort. And what is comfort? Mm. I mean, what is comfort? (laughs) You know, I mean, other than that beating drum within our soul, within the closeness of our family and our love that we know, all these other degrees of comfort, you know, of like sleep training so you can get your sleep or of this certain crib set up or this certain look, all these things you know, it's, um, yeah, that's actually one of the things that I, I usually do ask, you know, but the choice of home birth, you're giving up the quote unquote comfort of, um, and I guess when you just ask that, when you're like, what is comfort? I immediately said in my head, numb, yeah. numbing. Yes. So I think we've confused comfort yes. with numbing. Yes. This is like, you know, just get an epidural. It's like, what? No big deal. Right. But it's actually a huge deal. Right. It's, it's a neuro, um, it, it breaks down. It stops your nerve endings from receiving messages. And that doesn't stop at your own blood brain barrier. It goes right through to the baby. And really, you know, I don't need statistics to tell me that that's probably not a good idea. It's probably not supportive. Right. Um, And, you know, so I'm not, I'm not trying to shame anyone with my words that has gone through that, but it's just like, what if we pump the brakes and just think about it for a second, you know, and, um, because it is a numbing and it's, and it's being fed to us as a comfort, but correction, my friends, it's a numbing. (laughs) This is going to sound really silly, but have you ever sat in like a lazy boy chair? Um, yes. Yes. I sat in one and I was, I was like, this is like being in zero gravity. Like I literally can't feel myself. Do you know what I like? So Uh like, no wonder you could sit there for five hours. And it's like, are we really designed to sit in one place for five hours? Like when we're awake, when the sun is out. Right. No, unless we just had a baby or unless we're getting over, you know, a sort of illness of some kind, like breaking of a bone, you know, but other than that, that level of sort of sedentary is dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because, um, again, I think it just all makes so much sense. You know, like there was a time when all of our world consisted of our ancestors, tribal living, And there was someone that said, I want to do something different. 
And they wanted to create a town with maybe more opportunity. Maybe their tribe was having a poor hunting season or gardening season, and they felt the need to change. You know, there is, there is power in resistance on all spectrums. Yeah. But I guess through maybe human nature's um, interest in innovative comfort slash numbing, (laughs) we've come to this place now where it's like, whoa, what did we just do? Where did we just come from and why, you know? Maybe the resistance wasn't as strong going along that way as modernization took place. Um, But well, that leads us right beautifully into the commodification. And I'm like, is that a word? Did I make that word up? Commodification. It sounds legit. To commodify, right? To, To make a business out of birth and death. Yeah. So this is kind of my, my big um, manifesto of the moment um, is that the removal of birth and death from the home and the, and the, but not just removing it, but really taking it and making it a money-making business mm-hmm. and making it driven largely by the masculine, mm-hmm. by the patriarchy. I am not a man hater. I feel like I say this every episode, love men. <laughs> we are like, two peas in a pod or like, you know, we need each other. Like we, like men and women need each other. It is a divine and beautiful partnership. Um, I am married to a man, love men. (laughs) But what happened when we gave away or birth and death were taken from the home, to me, it seems like that's where the, where the pretty big uh, imbalance starts to show up in our, in this, in the sort of, Western developed societies, we handed over our, the power that was really predominantly in the feminine. Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm not saying that men aren't present for birth or are present for death, aren't necessary for those transitions. Wonderful if they are there. But for the most part, we're seeing, you know, midwives as women and, um, you know, those caretakers ushering out um, or ushering our elders into the next realm of uh, the end of life journey, these were predominantly women hold, held spaces. Mm-hmm. So I'd love for your feedback on that. On that, no. well, I look at it as kind of like um, I look at it like a struggling relationship between a man and a woman. You know, where like maybe this relationship, they've been together for a long time and there's so many layers to unravel. There is the individual um, trauma that we're individually trying to get past and working through. There's, and reacting to our partners by, there's the issues which could manifest in all kinds of things like taking out the trash, you know, or like real deep level things. Mm -hmm. And so I look at our history of the patriarchy and women as just a very natural process of entanglement. Mm -hmm. Men, it makes sense that men would have been the ones to venture off for new opportunities. Totally. 
Um, and it makes sense that women would have trusted their men to make the best decisions. Mm-hmm. And so it seems to me like it was, um, you know, on the shoulders of both men and women and then opportunists just innately, you know, looking to create a better world, but not recognizing um, the beauty of what remained. And honestly, Rain, I wonder about this. I really, really wonder, you know, were we meant to stay at like in ancestral tribal living? Maybe not. Like, it seems to me like we were meant to exist with all of that fruitfully mm-hmm. and then leave that to create so many wonderful things and then equally not so wonderful things and then come to a new place in our evolution, you know? So it just makes sense. And this is what, again, this is what gives me peace amongst seeing a world on fire is like, you know, it's okay. Like all those bad guys rule in this show. It's okay. (laughs) No hate. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Because it it just makes sense why we're here. And it's okay. You know, now's the opportunity to take a look at all of it and ask questions and read books like the continuum concept and reclaim what feels right and utilize tools like this reconnection on Instagram and this podcast for you and I, you know, like this is what we're utilizing. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, those are my thoughts. Oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> that's like the, like your divine moment, right? It's like, this is our divine moment, right? Like nothing is fucked. <laughs> Actually, like we're right where we're supposed to be. Yes. That, and just that, like, if we can really just like, in, in, even if as, as a listener, if you just want to punch both of us in the mouth right now, <laughs> I, I honor that, you know? but it's like, but but just try it on, like, try it on. Like, what if it really is? Because that is the both. And that is like, yeah, like a bunch of real crazy shit had to happen. (laughs) And a bunch of really dope shit has also happened. And the fact that like, yeah, like we're connected through this box and, and it's, and the, and the real, the reality, um, the vibrational energy that I feel when I am speaking with you and the guests on this show. I mean, and my, and our clients, right. I mean, like the fact that we have clients all over the world, um, it totally feels, uh, divine, nothing short of divine. So fuck yeah. Amen, sister. I love that. I love it. Um, ah, okay. So <laughs> you are like, Oh my God. Understanding the assignment. You took the assignment of the pandemic <laughs> and turned it into your stage. And mm-hmm. I, I guess, as you said, like, what is that? Like I was born a Toro and I was on, you know, the ad, you became an actress. Well, I was pursuing music in you, New right. York for a while. Yeah. Okay. So, so when you said that, I was like, ding, that's where that came from. Yeah. You know, pursuing this sort of to be on a stage and to be performative, um, but which is actually serving you now <laughs> because your performances on Instagram are like 
I mean, I like take a knee when I see so many of your posts. I'm like, yes, <laughs> like this is high quality performance with your heart in it. And I mean, and, but you know, Instagram is just, is your place of, um, of promotion, if you will. Um, but let's talk about your creation, your, your the, the birth, not only of CC, but the birth of Instar Garden. Well, it's, it's, I'll tell you the, I'll tell you the surface level stuff that I usually tell most people when they ask, you know, how'd you get started? And then I'll tell you the, the good stuff that I okay, know. Awesome. Um, <laughs> I was in New York city pursuing music. You know, I have always loved to sing. And um, obviously that feeling of performance what felt within me, or at least some need to express myself in this way artistically. And so I was in New York for three years. I had a couple bands, was in intense vocal training, was writing music. And I mean, it was going all right, except that's not where my fire was. And I realized that one day when I kind of hit a point at which vocally I could not go any further. Like I could sing the notes of great gig in the sky, mm -hmm. but I couldn't get that rumbling soul behind a voice. And when I listened to the other students in my class, I realized I did not have that fire within around that same time. My mom had visited me, told me she had a brain tumor. So I ended up moving back to new Orleans um, for that reason. And cause I was done with the music. I was done with New York city. It was all things aligned to go back home. Mm -hmm. um, I, we went on a trip to Spain for a month before my mom's surgery, just as like one big, you know, one big experience. And there I reconnected with a friend and realized how much I just wanted a simple life. And I just wanted to maybe live in the country, maybe in Spain and have a little um, bed and breakfast and grow my own food. And that was it. That's all I wanted. Mm. And so I had no idea how to get there or what that path was going to look like. But when I got home, I went back to school for horticulture because I figured, well, if I'm going to grow my own food, I must, might as well just figure it out, you know, and learn how to do it. So I went back to school for horticulture and then um, at that time, I just started hustling it all, you know, like I transformed my boyfriend, now my husband's backyard at the time. I started like I grew one peanut plant and would sell one jar of like peanut butter at the farmer's market or like same thing for hot peppers and hot sauce, like one bottle of hot sauce at the farmer's market, one bottle, you know, dried herbs in a little tiny box for five dollars, making losing money. Totally. <laughs> um, then I got my um, certification in horticulture studies, got my license in landscape horticulture, started doing landscaping. So I started selling plants at people's doorsteps. I started doing picking up odd end landscaping jobs and the business started from there. So for seven years, I had a landscaping company and it grew and it was it was all organic. I had an all female team. And we were focusing on edible gardens. So we were the only one company in the city that was offering that. Wow. And then in 2020, I started to realize the capacity of communication through phone. And I recognized the potential of being able to help people anywhere outside of New Orleans um, with communication. Um, and so 2021 switched to consulting. And um, 
that business took off. I had been doing Instagram the whole time, but here's the beef. Here's the real grit to this story. It was in 2020 that I recognized my voice and its entirety. And I was not interested in muting it or in changing it or lowering its vibration for any reason um, other than being humbly humble and vulnerable when necessary, which usually mostly just happens with my husband and yeah. maybe my daughter sometimes, yeah. you know? Um, and so um, a lot happened in 2020, as we all know, even before the pandemic, there was a lot happening. Yes. And I was only talking about gardening until George Floyd. This is a very uncomfortable conversation. But when I did not post a black square on Blackout Tuesday and posted my regular content, mm -hmm. I got so much, so much shit. I mean, just so much hate, so much from Instagram, from my closest friends that were in my wedding party, um, that never talked to me after that. You know, like I actually had a conversation with my closest best friend, um, my maid of honor. And we got together recently after I didn't post that blackout square. And she asked me, are you still for human rights? Do you believe in, you know, working in helping the environment? Are you for, um, you know, are you racist? <laughs> and I mean, I was kind of chuckling at the time, like, well, no, but I do have questions about this policy and that policy. You know, I mean, I was a raised Democrat. I was, I still am actually a registered Democrat, mm -hmm. but I just had some questions. Yeah. And, um, and I'm saying all of this without and saying too, that I'm not a Republican. <laughs> like I'm, I'm kind of like, you know what, screw it all. Cause I think it's all a little messed up yeah. to give us two options. And yeah. not only that, but to give us two personality types based on those options. I mean, that is just it's not, yeah. It's like binary box thinking. I'm it's not into totally it. binary boxing. Yeah, it's, it's not real. It's not real. It's my friend Beth said, she's like, it exists, but it's not real. Yeah. You know, and that was like a big, like, yes, yes, but it's not real. And it, I think it, um, it dulls our personalities and our potential mm -hmm. um, for having feelings and having questions, you know, for getting outside of the box. Yeah. Um, and so it was all of that time that I decided, well, you know what? Like I've literally lost all of my friends. Um, my family thinks I'm crazy. Thank God my husband and I are on the same page. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm going to start talking about this loud and clear on Instagram. You know, I mean, what else do I have to lose? <laughs> right. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's some, um, well, thank you for sharing that intense vulnerability truth. But what happened, Rain, and this is also extremely important, yeah. is once I shed all of that, which was not easy, I went to therapy to help 
deal with the loss of that. But once I shed it, once I embraced my voice, my feelings and trusted my gut, my mama gut, my inherent sense of the world gut and unapologetically owned that, I felt and still continue to feel an unlimited source of energy, an unlimited amount of strength and inspiration and excitement to get out there and talk about everything that we can try to talk about, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I think it's important to know for anybody listening that that's when my business exploded rain. That's now what brought my business and my followers on my social media pages to a point way faster, way more progressive and exponentially more growth than ever before. Hello, hello, Rain again, just here to drop a line about my masterclass. So I'm sponsoring myself for my free masterclass. If you are interested in healing yourself, in understanding yourself, in deepening your relationship with your instincts and intuition, this is step one of working with me. Head over to my website, watch my masterclass for free and feel out sort of the roots, the foundations to what it means to work with me. All right, back to the show. Oh, the power of authenticity and speaking your truth. That Woo! is it. That is it. <laughs> oh, that's why she's on here. That's right. I, I mean, it's clear. It's literally it's so palpable. And that's what's so interesting to me about the Instagram platform as like, I'm studying it like an anthropologist or something. And I'm like, this is, and it's so emotional. And there are people that have resistance to it. And even in my own storyline, when I have had resistance to it, it's the, when we are caught in scarcity. And if we just shift over to the abundance, it's, oh my God, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's magic. It's, it, it's the collective consciousness. I'm like, I'm going online saying that, like, we have been talking about collective consciousness, what, since like the 60s, well, I mean, I'm sure for thousands of years, essentially, but like, you know, 50s and 60s, I feel like when that was term was sort of coined. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's, it's very clear that there's a collective consciousness in the natural world, um, mycelium and things of this nature. But, and then I just have this belief that, that our sickness, our true human suffering is that we think that we're separate from that, from, from that, what is nature and all of your beautiful work is to the reminder that we are 100% connected and in yeah. this loop right and it doesn't yes. matter um uh socioeconomic background the color of your skin the language that you speak the continent with which your feet stand on at the moment it's like we're all connected all of us and yes yeah and the power of growing your own food the power of taking your own health into your own hands oh <laughs> it's so good. It's the it's the most exciting time 
to be alive and aligned. It's the most exciting opportunity I can think of. I would sign up for everything that's happened, you know, despite the pain, I would, I would sign up for all of this over and over again. I would, this is the time that I am so excited and blessed and, um, and pumped to be living through. Yes. I mean, and you know, there's so much talk about how suffering is like the greatest, it's the greatest catalyst for change. Mm -hmm. And so, so through all, through the loss of many friendships and, um, bonds and things that you had had, like through the loss, you actually then came to receive in like a much bigger and different way. It's amazing. It's so, so, so amazing. Oh, okay. So we'll want that energy. (laughs) Ideal homestead, your ideal fantasy. And I want like unbridled because what happens when we share, right? Our fantasies and our ideals is that all of the listeners can give their blessing, their energy, you know, like, and all of your followers and everything, because we want to, um, to bring each other up, you know, that's, um, that's the, that's the goal. So what is it? Oh my gosh. And you can have 10, like don't no boundaries. You can have like, um, we want to be as far removed from a large city as possible. Oh, we want to be hopefully in the mountains with enough flat land for a vegetable garden, but it doesn't have to be too flat. Mm-hmm. I have clients that I've helped who have major gradation or major slope yeah. in their space. And we have, there are ways to tear that and make it happen. Oh yeah. Greenhouse, river, a bustling river, mm. um, perhaps five minimum acres to have some pasture land for goats and a couple cows and sheep and chickens. Um, You know, what I envision next most, and I think about this daily is that space. Um, But just starting out simple, just getting the land with, with a river. And if it doesn't have a river, just dig a couple of wells, get completely dependent on a well system and, um, and a couple of dogs and that's it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. I mean, like I guess specific, is there like a geographic location that you're calling or are you like, there is, but I feel protective over that rain only for sure. the sake, only for the sake of, um, the market right now, hundred percent, you know, yeah, is it but we're looking US? inward and we're going to stay south. We're okay. definitely Yeah, I was going to say, south. like, is it the U.S.? South. south. We are Southern people. Like, we need Southern people. We need to say, hi, how you doing to someone walking down the street to feel good in our seat, you know? I know. Um, I woke up so. this morning. I don't know if you have this. Do you have, like, do you wake up with songs in your head? Are you one of those people? Sometimes, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. I wake up with like blaring songs in my head. I would say like five days out of the seven. And this morning it was um, the Lady Marmalade song. <laughs> Imagining you and I like, mama, no, you know? <laughs> and it's true. It's like, you know, we moved out to Oregon, um, honestly, because 
we had wanted to move for years and we like Damien and I were both just like tied to our, you know, health and wellness businesses and, um, and just excuses, like lots of excuses. But I all like, it was when we got pregnant and I was like, I I don't want to have a baby at home. And I didn't feel like I was going to be supported by anybody. So I was like, we got to get out of here. And that was like, what we, we literally went like seeking midwives. Like it was like, it's, and it was incredible. Um, but that, you know, that, that ancestry for me, you know, the sort of beating heart of the South is, uh, it's so dreamy. Yeah, it is. It is. is dreamy. Those Creole tomatoes are really dreamy. <laughs> well, and you know, I, um, I just envision slowing down time more. You know, my daughter is in her last two months of school before, um, before we homeschool in June. And um, these two months are critical to the next chapter of our lives because I have this consulting business yes. that I am streamlining. Yeah, uh, I'm working on a course. I just saw that. That's our, that's our yes. next. Tell us, tell us, tell us, tell us anything that you can. I saw you're hoping that it's opening in June. Yes. So everything that I offer in my one-on-one package consulting, I'm putting into this course. I'm putting every single thing I do in the garden into the course. Mm -hmm. And what's nice is I um, have a strategy for basically going out and filming all the content. Like today I got to plant potatoes, deal with some root knot nematodes And I'm going to organize it so that way there's going to be pests, root knot nematodes, and then every other pest. So I'm covering everything. Mm. It's going to be a completely downloadable video for everything you could need. And it's got a space for Q&A. So you can still send me pictures of like, oh, is this the bug that you were talking about? Or like, what's wrong with this leaf? It's this, do that. Yes. Um, and that's essentially what I've been doing with the package, except it's been one-on-one. And so this new course is going to be, it's, it's putting up the time over the next couple of months into that. Um, and so I hope to be able to automate these systems. So that way I um, honestly, completely in transparency can slow down time and spend more time with my family in the garden. And then hopefully what would come from that would be education on how to homeschool and homestead all at the same time. Oh, may it be so. (laughs) That's amazing. Well, I, yes, I see that. I see that uh, path very clear for you. Um, And I can't wait. So we'll have to have you back on the podcast. Love Um, it. Yeah, we'll have to have you back. So, um, oh, wait, we jumped ahead. Challenge favorite projects and challenges. So this is like for listeners, um, just to get more of a feel of what you do, like of these offerings, because I've spent eons of time nerding out on what you do. So I feel like I actually have, you know, a decent handle, but please share more. Um, well, there's going to be some obvious and then there's going to be some not so obvious. So like, you know, from my experience, some of the obvious favorite projects I've done would be like the rooftop garden at the convention center. It was huge, a 220 foot long vegetable garden. That would be an obvious like favorite product project 
but not really one necessarily that was like my favorite within my soul. Mm. Um, you know, I think favorite projects, um, it's going to have to be kind of a generalized statement. It's going to be when every client of mine, wherever they are in the States, most of them are within the U S um, when we reach a really difficult task, like installing irrigation mm-hmm. and we prepare them for the tasks with the time, the materials, and they knock it out and they send me a video. Their beds are not filled with soil or vegetables yet, but like irrigation is laid to all of their beds mm-hmm. to 12 beds. That's right. There is favorite project. I mean, and that's how it feels with every client, you know, before they um, take on a task and then they conquer a task. Those are my favorite projects. Um, What's most difficult, um, and this is just so related, I guess, to like my current work of consulting, not so much in the garden. Um, What's difficult is when we lack the resources. I have some clients that live in the middle of nowhere for good reason. And it's great that they live in the middle of nowhere, but then we've got to find the right resources for compost or soil or help, you know, and if we can't find those things, those are the challenges, but we do whatever we have to do. You know, like I have a client in Nevada who can't find anyone to install this irrigation. We have someone to walk them through the steps. We can't find someone to do it. Mm -hmm. So she's going to do it. And, um, you know, it's like before you cross the bridge, looking at the bridge and being like, my God, I've never crossed this bridge before. I don't know about crossing this bridge at all, but she's going to cross it. And that's the biggest challenge, you know, in terms of like favorite projects in the garden and favorite and biggest challenges, I would say, you know, transplanting, getting the new season in the grounds mm. is probably the most exciting. Yeah. And then I would say the most difficult. I honestly don't even know, Rain. I honestly think that, um, like, you know, Hurricane Ida was difficult, but like, that's the beauty of working with nature is there's always grace. There's always a space for rebound. It doesn't matter what pest or disease or structure or whatever you got to do. Like when you're working with the land, the land will give you some grace, Mm. some space at some point. So you just don't have to worry so much about the challenges, you know, or even really think about them all that much. Right. Well, yeah. Cause it, so it's a reframe. It's like, what are they like, you know, it's cause it kind of sounds like, as you were just speaking, it's like your challenges are your favorite part. <laughs> you <know? laughs> they, they, right. It's like, and it's just like birth. It's like, it's, a, it's amazing how similar it is, you know, how similar, like they're all these sort of ripples of, um, of reality and I was thinking about my garden I'm like oh my god wait I'm gonna like walk you through my garden because what's happening in our greenhouse is spontaneity we're having so many volunteers because this is like year three for us yeah and um oh my gosh we were like, and it's a bunch of dill because mm-hmm. I planned it so I mean is that how like you're gonna start seeing that I guess with these with your clients more and more are you seeing like the sort of permaculture effects of gardens happening yeah that does happen over time it's between 
permaculture and horticulture? I'm well, my ignorance. Horticulture is the um, study of plants. Oh, period. Uh, well, I guess botany might be, but horticulture is like plant. Okay. Um, permaculture is how to do that in a sustainable way. And so, um, so, you know, perennials, materials, letting things self-sow, companion planting. There's so much of our work that we do that is about preventing pest and disease, not stopping it, just preventing it as much as possible, just a solid foundation. Um, and I am scaling back even the organic pesticides and fungicides I use, even though they're organic, you know, I don't really want them. I use them as like last resort and they are very specific, you know, like neem oil doesn't work for everything. Diatomaceous earth doesn't work for everything. So I have very specific products that I use, um, for different things, but last resort. Um, and I love it when things pop back up, like dill and borage, you know, incredible. It's everywhere. It feels so nurturing that it's like the gift that keeps giving to a degree you don't even really have to do too much. Totally. Like once, and that's, what's so cool about your work. So like for the listeners, if you want to work with Erica, first of all, it's going to be more accessible in, in like a way where you can like click and watch her videos. Now you don't have to schedule one-on-one probably be a bit more affordable and but you're like a wizard. You're like a wit, like this magical witch. Like you can make it work in so many different environments. And I feel like that is so important to have like from super small urban gardens, yeah. you know, verticalizing things to like acreage and nothing is too big or too small for you, which I find is so fun. Well, and you know, what also is so fun rain is that like, you know, I might have a client who has a really short window growing season and deals with snow. And I might have a client who's like in deep South Florida and has got crazy humidity and heat. There might be different factors, you know, just like our belief systems and our skin color and the land that we live on. But, 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 but the formula is still the same. The formula is still the same for all of us. (laughs) And so that's all we're following is the formula and tapping into those individual needs. Oh, Oh, she speaks the truth. (laughs) Rain, you are a messenger for the truth. What you're doing with this space and your work is very honorable. It's so fun. It's so selfish. It's it's self-serving. I'm going to stop saying selfish because apparently it has like a negative, you know, stank on it. So it's, it's, I won't lie and say it's self-serving. Like I am getting to speak with people that I idealize. I have the little, my little iconic people and it's just, it's so inspiring. And this, again, back to that, that you so beautifully, you know, brought into harmony um, is that this is a divine moment. This is such a divine moment to get back to using our hands and our hearts and our wounds and our eyes and our, you know, all of our senses just coming alive and, um, and yeah, but and using with the beautiful technology and with everything that we've learned over the past couple of hundred years, um, 
well, and then thousands, millions, however long you want to take that <laughs> dial back, you know. Um, okay, so three pieces of advice. Some people think this part is cheeky, but I love it because it's it's just like, I've got you here. So what are the three pieces of advice that you're going to give the listeners to, and really for me, it's to understand the assignment to step into your most authentic self, because mm -hmm. that is, I think your most powerful, you have a lot of power, both tools and uh, wisdom that you've shared with us today, from your home birth to your reclamation of the garden and, and your, uh, setting off into your great dreams of homesteading in the, in the, out, out in the wild. But so how can we, how can we be our most authentic selves? Listen to your heart. Um, How do you do that? Be the generator of your own time. Mm. Um, you know, listen to your heart. It's obvious. Listen to yourself. You are worthy. You have a valuable, worthy feeling worth listening to and exploring. And when you become the generator or the driver of your own time, you can step away from time constraints that have been proposed for you or deadlines or, you know, rushing. You can choose how to manipulate time. And then third, but last, but certainly not least, question. Just ask questions. Passionate curiosity. Bumping that one real hard these days. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you so much. What a fun, what a fun journey. Um, so we'll look for you on Instagram, instar.gardens is sort of the handle. And um, is there anywhere else we should be following you? I'm on TikTok. Um, but, you know, either way, I post my TikToks and Instagram. Instagram, right. you're going to get longer captions and content. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll just keep it there for a while. Keep it there for a while. And so we'll look for you. We'll look out for your, um, for your course coming out in June and yeah, I mean, you just let me know when you kind of come back on the show to uh, down for it, girl. This has been such an incredible time. I mean, I knew from the start when you gave me an idea of what you wanted to talk about, that this is going to be special. And I am so grateful. I am so grateful. Thank you. Right back at you. All right, my friends. Erica Nolan, until next time. And that's a wrap with Miss Erica Nolan. Thank you so much, Erica, for spending all this beautiful time with me, reconnecting, rekindling our friendship. We, we stayed on the call for like easily another hour. And we probably should have had it recorded because it was awesome. Um, but she will be a guest on the show again. So, um, We'll be hearing more from her. Be sure to follow her. Check her out. Links in the show notes. Um, she has so much wisdom, so much knowledge, um, and so much expansion, right? Uh, she really understood the assignment of the pandemic. Um, all right. 
Well, we'll see you next week <laughs> with a great episode here on the Rain Studios podcast. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Z, for mixing up and producing the show. Thank you, Amber Dew, for all that you do for us. And thank you to Justin Briggs out there in Brooklyn. Hiya, hiya, hiya for creating our beautiful theme song. Love all of you. Thank you, listeners. Peace, plants, birth, life, death, and beyond. <laughs>